I had a dad once tell me, or his 12-year-old said, dad, when the divorce is over, do you think you'll date? So he answered how he thought she should be answered and said, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, honey, you're the most important thing in my life. I'm I'm never going to date. Thinking that's what she wanted to hear. Instead, she got sort of downtrodden about that (laughs) because she was really feeling like her dad was very sad and she was having to take care of him. Then she kind of hoped he was going to go date. (laughs) Oh, man. Yes. I want you to go date. Oh, gosh. But when he said, oh, no, no, you and I are forever Uh, bonded. Her anxiety went sky high. (laughs) Exactly. She pushed, pushed her away a little more. Are you frustrated with your co-parent? Do you sometimes find yourself hoping that you and your co-parent will one day get along better than you even did in your marriage? Or more secretly, wish your co-parent would meet with an untimely or maybe painful demise? (laughs) It's okay. We understand. But I'm afraid that neither of those fantasies are helping you move on with your life. We think this podcast will help you learn how to put those fantasies in the past. In each episode, we address difficult dilemmas that many co-parents face and will help you decide should you hold on to the conflict for the sake of the kids or let it go for the same reason. These issues are often complicated, but the solutions can be easier than you think. So get ready for this unconventional ride. You might be surprised it could change your life. Welcome to Co-Parent Dilemmas podcast, where we give practical solutions to those impossible co-parents. I'm Diane Dirks. And I'm Rick Voiles. How are you today, Rick? I'm doing really good today. Good. Me too. It's very rainy here, so it's been a good work day. Ah, no, it's getting nice outside, so I'm ready to go do something. (laughs) (laughs) Hope that will be the case this weekend. So I thought we would start this time now that we've been doing this how many weeks? Ooh, 12? There's about? 10 or 12. Yeah. That we are now beginning to get some good reviews. And I want to thank those who are giving us reviews. We got a five-star review from an attorney. So if your attorney's out there or you uh, are a client and you might want to talk to your attorney about our uh, cast. This is from a Georgia divorce attorney. And she says, I am a Georgia divorce and family law attorney. I have encountered literally every issue discussed in the podcast in my practice. And I have loved listening to the insight in this podcast. The advice is invaluable and will help me advise my clients in the future on difficult co-parenting topics. People pay top dollar for this kind of advice. And I am glad you have the podcast. Oh, that is great. Thank you. Thank you, whoever you are. She didn't leave a name, but I'm just very thankful that attorneys are listening to the show as well as their clients. Yes. So so let's get into what we're going to talk about today. I like this topic because it's about dating and introducing dates to your children. Oh, yes. Now, Rick, you've been teaching divorcing parents classes for a long time. And one of the phrases you always use or the statistics, I guess I should say, that you talk about is when people typically remarry after divorce. What is that statistic? 
Yes, they say 75% will remarry or reconnect to another serious relationship within the next five years. And when you say that, what does the audience usually do? Not me. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm never roll, doing this again. They roll their eyes. They tell you, you are absolutely crazy. That's yes. not going to happen. Well, and to be fair, and, that's exactly what I thought when I was sitting there and heard <laughs> exactly. that statistic. Yes. I got remarried four and a half years after my divorce. <laughs> I almost made it. But so what is interesting, and I have many individual clients who go through really difficult and tough divorces, especially with children, it just really takes its toll on you. And then they will say, no way, no way am I ever going to do that again. And then within a couple of years, they're on a dating app. And next thing I know, I'm getting a call. Hey, I want to bring in my new significant (laughs) other for you to meet him or her. They want my (laughs) approval. So that's typically what happens is everybody is very against it. It's kind of like right after you have a baby, you're not going to commit to another one, but then time goes by and you forget the pain of that and and you decide you're ready to jump back in. But this question is a little different in that this is from Nathan. He's from Tampa, Florida, and he's ready to jump in right away. Okay. So, Hmm. So I think it'll be interesting to discuss that. This is an email from Nathan. He says, my wife and I have been going through a contentious divorce for about 18 months now. I'm hoping it will be final soon. A couple of months ago, I met someone and have been dating her ever since. I'd like to introduce her to my two children who are four and six. I'm pretty sure their mom will get upset when she finds out. So I just want to do it without creating another battle. Is there any harm in doing the introduction before the divorce is final? What is the best way to do the introduction with the kids at this age? How should I talk to their mother about it? Or should I even tell her? Hmm. Hmm. Yes. (laughs) There's a lot to unpack here. (laughs) There's a lot. So Um, my first question is why now? Why is it important? Yes. What do you say? Two a couple of months. It's been two months. The divorce is not yet final. So we can assume emotions are still kind of raw and hard. All the the way around. Yes. Until the divorce. Right. Right. I find, and I don't want to be sexist, but I find in my practice, this question comes up more from men than it does for women. Uh It doesn't mean that women don't ask the question, but from a male perspective, it seems like they're more ready to jump in more quickly, not necessarily under a relationship, but to the introduction to the kids. And what do you say about that as a male? I I obviously can't speak for all males, but you can't, (laughs) (laughs) but case in point, I waited seven years before remarrying. Yeah. And I married somebody who was also divorced, but I really wouldn't take marriage into consideration until two years after her divorce. Right. And and the primary reason is I, I, I learned probably the hard way. The grief process takes about two years to get through, which meant that I wasn't ready Knowing that was probably the the biggest insight for me. And I spent those years working on myself. I realized my part in the divorce 
And that if I wasn't going to repeat that, then I needed to change. And I wasn't really clear exactly where all the areas I needed to. So I worked hard for those five years. So you're just the perfect man. (laughs) Well, thank you. This is recorded, right? (laughs) But Nathan, on first read, one might think, oh, he's just being a needy dad. He's trying to replace mom. He needs a woman in his life. Here's my take on it after many years of doing this work. I kind of think men, not all men, but a lot of men have more trouble acknowledging grief Mm. or they don't want to acknowledge the emotions or it makes them feel weak. We are. That's that's told us. Yep. Yeah. So if we can surpass that, that emotional piece and just sort of plug somebody else in that makes me not have to think about my grief and the loss that I might be feeling, then I can avoid the emotion. That's interesting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um, I want to, I just wanted to bring that up that what you did, Rick was, was correct in checking yourself and going, okay, I'm aware that I'm still grieving. I might not make the best decisions. I think if Nathan would have said, I've been divorced or we've, we've been going through a divorce for four years, but I've been dating this woman for two years and, and I've avoided the kids and her being together. But I think it's about time. Who knows how long, you know, I might have something different to say. So one of the things that I learned through this process is what we call the emotional divorce. Yeah. He's got an 18 month trial or divorce yeah. process that's going on, which is the legal divorce. We talk about grief, and part of that grief is the emotional divorce where we're literally reorganizing our life without that other person. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. Now, to give Nathan the benefit of the doubt here, because I really don't know, they've been going through an 18-month divorce process. We really don't know. They might have been separated prior to that for two yeah. years. I don't right. know. We don't know. But here's the thing. The kids are also grieving. Yes. In in the, a four and six-year-old way. If they're not going to grow up and have this line in the sand, life prior to divorce and life after divorce, because of their young age and the ability to track those memories prior to age four and six, uh, unlike maybe a 12 or 13-year-old who has a decade of memories behind him or her, right? Yep. But my biggest concern about what Nathan is suggesting is that you have a four and six year old who, if you think about developmentally, they will bond with anybody. They'll bond with somebody in the grocery line at the store. Right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All someone has to do is speak to them. And then they want to tell you about their puppy. And then you say, Oh, I have a puppy too. And then we're friends. Yep. So Nathan has to be careful if he gets his four and six year old to bond and it doesn't take long three times maybe. And next thing you know, Miss Katie or whatever her name is, is the best thing since sliced bread. And we love her. We can't wait to see her again. If Katie or whoever is not his person forever. And after another month or two, some issues come up, he can't stand her ex-husband or they realize they're not really suited for each other like they thought, or they don't agree on something politically. And next thing you know, the whole thing blows up then the kids are going to be saying, well, isn't Miss Katie coming over? And then he, right. has to, he has to deliver the news. No, she's never coming back. And then they are developing a pattern now. Okay, mom yes. and daddy didn't last. And daddy and new girlfriend didn't last. Wow, is there something wrong with me that people come into my life and then they leave my life? 
And you have too many of those relationships and now they're a little gun shy and that over time can create a trust issue with kids and how they view relationships. So my first piece of advice to Nathan is be very careful. I don't think personally you can know for sure this is the one when you're still going through your divorce and you've only been dating two months. Right. I would have that same warning. And if you asked me, how many months do you have to be dating? I don't have an answer for you. No. (laughs) Because there's too many variables that play into that. I'm just saying, if we think about dating and love, the infatuation period can last two or three months. Uh, Yeah, that dopamine. That's that's a dangerous thing. Yeah, And then eventually it wears off when you start watching how they eat and you're no longer thinking (laughs) it's cute. (laughs) I used to think it was cute that I had to wipe the the sauce (laughs) off of the corner of his mouth. Now I look at it, I'm disgusted by it. (laughs) Oh, that's so true. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) wait until you're disgusted by something with this woman before you really decide. And how do we decide if they're the one? Well, we, we go through an acceptance process when we decide which values matter the most and how much they outweigh the way they eat, <laughs> that kind of thing. So anyway, you know, everybody has their reasons, but I can't imagine that Nathan is really past the infatuation period. In fact, that infatuation is causing him to think everything is going to be rainbows and and bubbles and having this person in my life has to be the right thing. And that's just where you are right now. So so I would say, especially with four and six, and I'm about to ask you a different age in just a minute. So get ready. Okay. Okay. Four and six to be very, very careful how much exposure that you present this other person into their lives. Because as you say, there is a huge risk here. And they'll become uh, attachment avoidant if it's repeated too many times. But let's, because like you say, we hear this question a lot, make the age 14 and 16. How would you address it? That Would you say anything different? We'll be back after a quick break. The heart behind the iMom podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on iMom.com and when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, it brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the iMom podcast with new episodes every Monday. <laughs> okay. And the way to answer these questions is you have to become four and six or you have to become 14 and 16, right? Yes. Uh-huh. So it is different when you, even when you bring a step parent into a family with a four and six year old, the the duties of that step parent are going to be much different than they are with a 14 and 16 year old, because at four and six, there's a lot of formative years left for that parent to really be a significant influence in their life. Yep. By the time they're 14 and 16, that's no longer needed. Uh, you're just maintaining, right? Yep. Your, your job is to make sure they don't die, not, <laughs> not build their value system because it's already set in stone by that point. So anybody who comes into the house should not be expected to love and care for that new person or even 
pay attention to their parenting style or skills. The bottom line is that they be respectful. This is an important person in my life as your parent, and I expect you to respect them, but I don't expect any more. Yeah, I like that. So if you think that's down the road, what is the expectation with just dating somebody? And yeah, I say the same thing still, but not for the same reasons. 14 and 16 year old are going to be opposite of a four and six year old. They don't, they're going to bond with anybody you date. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. They're only bonding with their friends. And yes. they actually, the thought of you dating and maybe doing other things with somebody else than their mother is <laughs> going to be like, ah, don't make me have those mental pictures. Right? Exactly. Yes. So they're likely to not want to know about it. But teenagers are interesting. On one hand, they don't want to know about it. On the other hand, they don't want to be lied to. Teenagers are all about trust. Yep. So if you're very evasive and say, well, I'm going out with my friends, but they, <laughs> you have all this cologne on and you're looking like they're out there preparing for something else, then they're pretty smart. And then they're going to call you out on it. So as much as you can, I think all kids, you keep that part of your life separate, whether they're four or six or 14 and 16, because they don't really need to have the thought of somebody possibly replacing their parent. Or it depends on the circumstances of the breakup. Even a 14 and 16-year-old, if they see this as an opportunity to bond with, let's say, a father, since this is a question from a man, they see an opportunity to bond with dad now that he's divorced from mom. And maybe they felt like mom was interfering with that a little bit. Yes. Now, now dad is saying, well, I don't have time for you. I've got to go bond with a new woman. And he may need to just bond with his kids a little bit for their security, for their sense of stability. Dad does care enough to just bond with me now and not need another adult to bond to now that mom is out of the picture. So there's some sensitivities for all kids. You just have to know your child well enough. So that's the importance of understanding where they are on all this. And I had a dad once tell me, or his 12-year-old said, dad, when the divorce is over, do you think you'll date? And he was flabbergasted by the question and didn't have a pat answer. So he answered how he thought she should be answered and said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm, oh, honey, you're the most important thing in my life. I'm I'm never going to date. Thinking that's what she wanted to hear. Instead, she got sort of downtrodden about that (laughs) because this later came out, not in that conversation that she was really feeling like her dad was very sad and she was having to take care of him. He was sad about the divorce and she loved him, but didn't really want in her teenage years to have to stay home and take care of her dad. And she kind of hoped he was going to go date. Oh man. Yes. (laughs) I want you to go date. Oh God. So this goes back to what we've talked about before with the worried, uh, afraid and concerned. Right. Instead of answering how you think your child wants you to answer, you say, well, what if I did date? Would that worry you? Would that be concerning to you? And she would have the opportunity to say, no, I really want you to. (laughs) I think you need it, dad. And I would have given him permission (laughs) to do it without her having to say, I don't want to take care of you anymore. Right. Yep. Right. But when he said, oh, no, no, you and I are forever Uh, bonded. (laughs) Her anxiety went sky high. (laughs) Exactly. She pushed pushed her away a little more. So again, another example, and these will come up over and over in this podcast, where you do have to be careful how you answer a child. You don't know what's going on in their little heads. So know them. And so I would say to Nathan, what were the circumstances? If they're in an 18-month divorce process, I'm assuming there's a custody 
battle going on. Yeah. If it's not finalized. Yeah. And how much are the children aware? I don't know if mom has clued them in and said anything about court, which I hope she didn't. But if they know that there's a fight going on, they may not want to meet this new person for fear that might have some bearing on custody. Again, the circumstances are pretty important to think about. So what are we hanging on to or letting go? He's got a couple of things going on here. Well, let's go next to should he tell mom? Ooh, okay. So first of all, maybe you shouldn't even tell or introduce the kids or tell the kids. Let's, you know, give it a little more time until you know it's the one. I think this next question is really the hold on or let it go. I have encountered men who really can't wait to tell the other parent about the woman I'm dating now, who's 20 years younger than you. <laughs> uh, I replaced you and it was so easy. Kind yeah, of oh, exactly. dear. And Nathan, I'm not saying that's you, no, but no, there Nathan. may be some of you out there. So maybe that's the real reason for wanting to talk to the ex uh, or ex-spouse to be. Another reason is he already said, I'm pretty sure she'll be angry about it. So he wants to avoid conflict. Yes. So should I open up the can of worms? Should I not? Opening it up would be maybe letting go (laughs) or maybe not. I'm I'm not sure. Well, and I've had a change of mind on this because when I first read it, I was thinking, oh, no, no, it's none of her business kind of perspective, right? right? You've got your life. She has no control. But then the more I thought about it, the whole idea of what impact is it going to have on the kids telling or not telling mom? Sure. And so- if Nathan says, I don't care what you guys say, I'm going I'm to introduce the love of my life to my children. Yeah. Okay. Let's just say you decide that and you're free to, obviously. Then I think with kids this age, you almost have to tell mom because if you don't, a four and six-year-old, they tell everything. Right. That's, that's... Even if you tell them not to, it's going to slip out. Exactly. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, this lady named Miss Katie came over and making us pancakes for breakfast. And you're going, what? Yes. (laughs) And then especially if alimony is an issue in the divorce or she has an opportunity to say he's cheating on her, even though they're not divorced, whatever. That could create a big wrinkle in the case. So as soon as the little ones divulge to mommy something about the new girlfriend, She's going to be on the phone with her attorney, or she's going to be on the phone with the dad. And how dare you? And I can't believe you did this and blah, blah, blah. And I saw those pictures you put on her on Facebook. Where did you meet her at the strip club? Like, you know, <laughs> it just opens up all kinds of opportunities for more conflict. Yes. So there's a legal aspect to this that him doing this could jeopardize his case. So I would seriously have a strategy meeting with my attorney to ask the same question. Yeah. But with regards to the kids, we, we really, I would encourage you to tell mom in order to protect your kids from mom's reaction. Yes. So they don't have to go through that. Yeah. So they may say it slips out that the girlfriend went to the park with them. Mm-hmm. If mom already knows about it, she might not like it, but then she can say, oh yeah, your daddy told me about that. Mm-hmm. The kids are not in the middle then. Yep. But if dad hasn't told her and she overreacts, what? 
Well, yep. tell me who she is. And she starts asking all these interrogation questions. The kids are going to clam up. They've now been put in the middle of the adult conflict, which is not good for them. No. Yeah. The issue between mom and dad need to not even be on the radar for the kids. So you do what you have to do to prevent that from happening. Exactly. So Nathan, I, I think we've answered your question, you know, try to wait a little longer till you're absolutely sure. But if you think that you are, and you want to introduce at this early date, I agree with Rick first talk to your attorney and let them know you're doing that and get your attorney's advice. And your attorney may tell you legally, you probably shouldn't tell mom, but then you risk the kids telling mom and how are you going to handle that? And if that's the case, you probably should tell mom ahead of time. If your attorney thinks it's an okay idea. Just yep. to, it's all about protecting the kids. Primarily, yes. And so many times we end up in that dilemma where, yeah, the legal strategy interferes with the emotional and mental well-being of the mm-hmm. kids. And yeah. we would prefer that you sacrifice the legal strategy. <laughs> Maybe we'll hear from attorneys and more attorneys now. I just had an idea of something we could do. Uh-huh. And Nathan, I can maybe post this question. I don't need to put your name on it, but post this question on social media and get and take a poll. Ooh. Wouldn't that be interesting to find out so that you may think that we don't know what we're talking about, but maybe a jury of your peers can tell you um, what their uh, advice would be. Well, and and I'm not so sure that just because everybody disagrees with us means we're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of hormones going on out there. But then again, maybe it does beat where we're let's, let's get her moved in as quickly as possible, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right, Rick. Well, this was a good one. And we will uh, see everybody next week. I mean, talk to everybody next week. Yes. Let's talk to everybody next week. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye, everybody. We hope this episode was helpful to you. If you'd like to share your dilemma or tell us how something we said has benefited your situation, please call one 234 dilemma That's 234-362-3445. Or email 1234dilemma at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Co-Parent Dilemmas wherever you get your podcasts. And give us a favorable rating. That will make us more accessible to co-parents who are searching for help. Thank you for being part of our non-impossible family.